Hello, friend. Thanks for tuning in. Judgment and jealousy. I have been thinking about this a lot, and it's time to do a podcast on it. Unfortunately, I don't have much of a good outline for where to start, except for the words themselves. Judgment and jealousy. I'm actually going to start with jealousy. I grew up kind of isolated from a lot of pop culture. I didn't know who Madonna was until I was 21. Honestly, I wasn't missing much. And I saved myself a lot of money at the mall that I ended up spending in my 20s and that sort of thing. So I, I got my fix as far as consumerism goes. That was, that was good. But... um I was shamed for expressing my love of fashion. And I only remember a few instances in my adult years of this. So I don't even know what this looked like when I was younger, but I'm sure it was there. So because I was always shamed for that, or at least very consistently... I found myself often jealous of girls who express themselves fashionably. This has been a really painful struggle for me. I love makeup. I love heels. I have some six inch heels in my closet that are absolutely killer. Also, I'm six foot two when I wear those, so I'm kind of an Amazon, but let's not talk about that. Um... I love heels, I love makeup, I love accessorizing and matching textures and colors and coordinating and layering and all of the things. All of the things! I love when my shoes match my purse and there's a pop of color and all that stuff. Guys, you appreciate it when it's done right. Let's let's just sum that up that way. So, I've always struggled with being jealous of people who took time to do their makeup very nicely and people who went to the effort of accessorizing their outfit because I wasn't allowed to as much as I wanted to and I really wanted approval on that and I didn't get it. So I've I've always struggled with being jealous of people who invested time and money and effort and that has led me into judging those people for well I'm more holy than them because I don't spend my time and my money and my effort on such useless things as 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 beauty And there's a whole thought process that I am just, I have only recently untangled. (sighs) The beginning of this untangling happened in June of 2016. Um, 
it was around the middle of that month. I don't remember the exact day, but um, I had access to my friend's Netflix account, and um, I had just started watching Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. And this one particular weekend, I was so nutritionally depleted that I started spiraling emotionally. And I started to go deep. Like, I was casually thinking of suicide whenever I was stressed out at work. And if you're casually thinking about suicide, that's a sign that you're in a bad place mentally. So... It's not urgent, but you're at code yellow. I was pushing burnt orange to red. And it got to the point where I was laying on my bed in my apartment, sobbing my eyes out so hard. And there were two girls who were thinking of and I thought, if I, if I kill myself, then I won't know how their story turns out. And I won't be able to help them continue in their story. And so I took my Bible and I went across the street to my neighbor. And I read the Psalms out loud to my neighbor. I still need to call her and tell her I'm better. That, that's important. I'm writing that down. Call neighbor. Because that was... That was a serious low point. And I couldn't stop crying until I read my Bible to her. And... I went back across the street after a couple of hours. And I talked to... Ben for a little bit. And wore him out emotionally. Poor, sweet man. Um, And we were just talking at that time. We weren't officially dating, so I, I kind of freaked him out a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. And, um, but that's by the by. (laughs) Um, And so I decided to distract myself. I would go on my friend's Netflix and watch Fixer Upper. That saved my life. If I hadn't had Fixer Upper that weekend and my neighbor and Ben, I I don't know what I would have done to myself. But watching Fixer Upper was the anesthesia that I needed to to forget my problems for just half an hour at a time. And it gave me so much hope to see a man and a woman so uniquely different and yet um, so compatible is a is a small world small word compared to what I want to say they're so uniquely different and yet um, so coordinated and so symbiotic and so for each other and 
it gave me hope that there was meaning to be had in having a beautiful marriage and creating a beautiful home. And that, what I, I watched seasons one and two a couple times, I think. There are definitely episodes that I watched two or three times. Um, and that show got me through that summer. Um, as a matter of fact, that particular weekend in June, um, That was the same weekend that someone decided to kill Chip and Joanna's goats. Now, I don't know. <sighs> From the little I know about spiritual warfare, I know that when I go through stuff, a lot of times it's because I'm experiencing warfare on someone else's behalf. Not all the time, but... I've said it before and I'll say it again. Every time I touch the footage for Ezekiel 37, my life goes into chaos. And I'm slightly terrified to even begin editing. The footage is on the way. The footage is probably in my mailbox. Hopefully it's not getting cooked by the Alabama heat. But, um, actually it probably is getting cooked. But I need to go check my mail. Yeah. Alright, write that down. Check the mail. Ah, uh, yeah. Also, my vitamin K is in there, and it doesn't need the heat either. So, vitamin K is very important for your bones, and it actually takes the calcification out of your arteries and puts that calcium into your bones where you need it. It's really good for people with diabetes, too. It Vitamin K is very important. Go look it up. I will need to link to vitamin K in this podcast, so let me write that down link to vitamin K and there's also a coupon code so I'll write that down yeah um so now that I've got that tangent documented so that was the weekend that Chip and Joanna's goats were savagely murdered um and I'm never going to forget that I'm never going to forget that God used them in my life. And they, they're like, I might not have been the only person fixer up or help that weekend. So I don't want to be arrogant and say that those goats died for me. But I see a correlation there. And uh, I'm just going to kind of put that out into the world and say, I see a correlation there. So, um, I am extremely grateful to Fixer Upper, and when people say they love that show, internally, I want to reply to them, no, I love that show, and you have no idea how much I love that show, but it's not a competition, so I, I keep trying to remind myself of that, and just, like, chill out, but deep down, I'm like, no one loves Fixer Upper as much as I do, and I'll fight you to the death. <sighs> or just, you know, crown you with some magnolia leaves or something. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> so, 
watching Fixer Upper gave me hope that it wasn't selfish to have a beautiful home. It wasn't selfish to invest in that. And I especially loved the episode where... Um, I loved the episode where the carpenter and his wife bought, like, a rickety old house. And Chip and Joe said, that house needs an exorcism. And I was like, uh, yeah, you better believe it needs an exorcism. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the door to the bedroom was open so Ben could hear me. And yeah, he's going to sleep because it's late at night. Sorry, Ben. So, I especially love that episode, and also the one where they um, they refurbish the house for the missionaries who come back from Africa, who were living in a couple of shipping containers, and now they have this, like, comparatively for them, it's a mansion, and it's just beautiful, and... You know, they get the beam up the way that they want it, and they, she even gets a little sitting room off to the side, and the garden, and the, the, the pergola, and, and the church gave money to support that. It's just, and you know that, and, oh my gosh, one of the parts that I loved in that episode was how they found a map of Africa at this random out-of-the-way um, antique festival that they go to once in a blue moon. It's like an hour away. They found that for that. It just made me so happy. And so it just showed me like, you know, those people are going to be trustworthy with that home. They're not doing it selfishly. They're doing it because they, they deserve a place to rest from their work and their labor on the field and to have a home where they can welcome their children and their grandchildren and enjoy their company and invest in their family like that is a gift and you know that that woman has um I forget the chapter and verse in Matthew but those who have wisdom those who understand the gospel bring out are like a rich man who brings out treasure from the storeroom both new and old and you know that 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 husband and wife are going to love on people so well in that home and I've always fought against being I've tried to fight against being jealous of people who invest in their home and Fixer Upper gave me a vision for what it could look like done right so, when I moved here to Alabama, um, I actually moved in with Ben's parents for four months before the wedding, and that was an incredible gift. Not only that, I was visiting Ben on the weekends because we weren't, his parents live a, a, about an hour away from him, and so... I would stay at someone's house on Saturday night, and then we would go to church together Sunday morning. And um, I stayed with various people throughout that time, but one in particular, there is a 
elder and his wife at my church who they're retired, they're grandparents, and they've got a nice big house and they have a guest room. They've got multiple guest rooms. And they they put me up every weekend for the month before we got married. And it gave me such a sense of stability to know that I could go in and just go to bed and I knew every weekend where I was going to go, especially that close to the wedding and just wrapping up the little details and I, I didn't have to arrange, hey, can I stay with you this weekend, you know, with people. And staying with them expanded that vision of you can have people over and love on them. And I've seen with other people since then who have continued to expand that vision. And people who just have beautiful well-loved homes and it just the nurture bleeds out of the walls and if there is one thing that I would put describe my personality is it's it's nurturing I really love to nurture um and if I could hug you through my house I absolutely would do it um so Ben and I are currently living in the most beautiful place, the most beautiful apartment I've ever had in my life, and my home is coordinating color-wise and beauty-wise, and we're still paying off my debt, but at the same time, we're putting... We're, we're budgeting a little money each month to invest in home goods and that sort of thing. And just every month, my home becomes more beautiful. And I put my elbow grease and my love and my effort into it. And it, it rewards me with beauty. And um, I'm just... I'm just so amazed that God, not only does God redeem, his redemption is so complete. It is so whole. Not to say that life is perfect. (laughs) If you listen to my last, last podcast, life is definitely not perfect. Life is still life and it comes with moments that are excruciating and painful and yet we are called to take up our cross every single day and the root word of excruciating is crux, which means cross in the Latin. So life is still excruciating from time to time. That, that's, you know, that ebbs and flows like life does. But in general, I'm so thankful to have a home where I can welcome people. I can easily prepare meals and serve them and make them feel loved with food. I have a twin bed in my guest room and one of these days somebody's going to come and stay and, and hopefully they feel loved and nurtured staying with me. Um, because the beautiful thing about staying at someone's home is that When I wake up in someone else's home, for those few moments that I'm there, 
It is like a taste of heaven. I don't have the usual reminders of all the things I need to do and the things I need to clean. I'm in someone else's sanctuary and it is a taste of heaven. I get to lean and depend on their infrastructure for those for that day and a half or however long. Even if it's just a couple of hours where I sit and ponder whatever beautiful artwork they have. And artwork, beauty is not wasteful. Beauty restores the soul. And Jesus said of the woman who anointed him with oil at Nard at the the Last Supper, he said that she is anointed for my burial, and yes, the poor will always be with you, but you will not always have me, and what she has done will be told with the gospel to the ends of the earth. That tells you the importance that Jesus placed on beauty. There is nothing more extravagant than fragrance. It's, it is a luxury by definition for every culture and it always has been and it always will be. And yet, Jesus validated the importance of beauty and creativity with scents and smells. See, when, and I've probably talked about this before, so forgive me, but when frankincense, which is the, that's the only thing that is burned in, in the Holy of Holies. Excuse me. No. I forget the, or, the layout of the temple, but there's the... There's a Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, the Ark of the Covenant is now lost. Or, I don't know where it is. We don't know where it is. Um, but we don't need it anymore. We have the Holy Spirit now. And He lives inside of us and... We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we have that privilege and responsibility. So, the next room inside of the temple, there was an altar for incense, and um, that was where the the showbread was, and that was replaced every day, and then the priest ate it afterwards, and then you've got the the lampstand that that um that burns not that that's even current because of the way that politics are currently in the Middle East but that's how it's supposed to be and that's how it was run when it was going on so in that room of the tabernacle only frankincense was supposed to be burned and you can learn that by reading I think it's Deuteronomy pretty sure I love Deuteronomy So, Deuteronomy emphasized to me how important it is that we come to the Lord with reverence when we worship Him. And so, frankincense is the only thing that is burned in that place. Frankincense has a very unique smell. Nothing else smells like frankincense, number one. And then number two, if you put frankincense with anything else, you can no longer smell the frankincense. And... The comparison I find that's interesting is that if you try to mix the Holy Spirit with something else, you 
diminish and you reject the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't worship the Holy Spirit and anything else. You cannot worship both God and money. And so if you try to mix frankincense with any other scent, you will no longer smell the frankincense. And so that's just something that's interesting to me. Thought I would point it out. Frankincense crosses the blood-brain barrier and it heals, it literally heals the mind. Frankincense is, one of its nicknames in the essential oil world is liquid gold because when in doubt, use frankincense. It is good for everything. There are people who, there are families who struggle with epilepsy who buy a bottle of frankincense every single month. And a 15 milliliter bottle of frankincense runs you at least $75 if you're getting good quality. Now there is cheaper frankincense out there, but then there's also different strains. And I'm not going to go into that. But the point is, it's about healing. Beauty is healing. Frankincense is healing. And so when, we, when, when I pour my life into these artistic passions, I am, I am worshiping my creator by imitating his creativity. And I am enriching and nurturing the lives around me. I'm currently working on knitting some knitting projects for some friends of mine. And I'm praying that every time they see that article of clothing, that it just reminds them how much Jesus loves them. And every time I knit that clothing, I think of them and I pray for them. And so my prayers are literally woven into the cloth in a spiritual sense. So literally is not the correct word there. Yeah, my, my, my brain is tired and we're just going to go with it. It's not selfish to want to create beauty because it's an essential part of human life. And in every era, the human soul wants to make art because that that's what we do. We're made in the image of God. We are created to create. <sighs> Even if we are just scientists and mathematicians searching for knowledge, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and it is the glory of kings to search it out. The book of Proverbs. So I struggled with jealousy for a really long time of anyone who seemed wasteful in expressing beauty. And this manifested itself as being judgmental. And the irony is that I'm the more that I judged others for expressing beauty, the more I turned around and judged myself for wanting to express beauty. I want to read to you Matthew 7 because this is the passage that is 
famously quoted, judge not that you not be judged. And I'm going to read it all the way through because it has very important context. Jesus is very specific. God is very specific and intentional about what scripture he put next to what. So we need to pay attention to that. And we also need to pay attention to the culture in which he spoke it into. Because if we don't understand the culture, if we don't understand the culture of the time that women, that men were abusing women by divorcing them, then we won't understand why Jesus was so adamant against divorce as a means of protection for women because men were responsible for their their care and their income. They didn't have the the modern society that we have now. And yes, gender inequity as it may be, that is that, that that's part of life and I'm not going to go into that debate. We women have so much more opportunity now than they ever have ever have before. And Jesus consistently honored women. And the more you understand the culture that he spoke into, the more that you understand his value for them. That so empowers me. So context is extremely important. Never read a verse. Read the whole chapter. Matthew 7, New King James Version. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, 
By their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I am going to summarize these concepts so that we can zoom out a little bit and see them next to each other. And I think we're going to see something really beautiful. The way that you judge people is how you will be judged. And if you want to confront someone for something, you better have your own life in order first. Be wary about confronting people who are fools because they will not respect your words and they will probably attack you. If you want good things from God, ask for them. He knows what is good for you, and he will give them. In the previous chapter before this, two or three before this in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about, yes, chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things, meaning, you know, all the things we worry about in this life, what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, all these things will be added unto you, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So, ask God for what you need, and whatever, and then he he has the golden rule at verse 12 of chapter 7. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this summarizes the law and the prophets. In every other major religion, they have a a anti-golden rule, which is don't do to people what you don't want done to you. Jesus flips that on its head and turns it into the positive. Actively seek out things to do for others that you would want done for yourself. Give the movers iced coffee. Help someone. Go the second mile. Like, the culture at the time said that if a Roman soldier picked you, tapped you on the shoulder and said, I need you to carry my pack for a mile because I'm tired and I have to get this way. You had to obey him. That was Roman law. And so Jesus was speaking very practically. The, ter- the, the figure of speech going the second mile has to reference with that ancient Roman law 
And Jesus was saying, go out of your way. Do double what is asked of you. You realize, do you know how long it takes to walk one mile one way and then back to get back to what you were doing? That is a whole two miles. Jesus is telling people to double that and walk four miles, two miles the one way, and then four miles back. Do you know how long it takes to walk four miles? I don't, but it it's... If you've got work to do and you've got a family to feed and put table and put to put food on the table for and it's the work of your hands that you have to do that walking four miles is emotionally excruciating because you want to eat and feed your family but here jesus says whatever you want done to you do to others wow that is powerful and i would say if you haven't listened to my podcast about kindness costs something I would challenge you to go do that because it takes thoughtfulness to to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think about how how can you best love them additionally if you're putting yourself in someone else's shoes and you're thinking about how to best love them you are not going to be judging them And honestly, the best antidote to being jealous of someone's life is knowing in in believing in faith that no one's life is perfect. That's the part of Instagram and Facebook that really gets to me. It's like, I know how hard it is to make a photograph look that good. And I know that your life can't be like that. And I really struggle with judging people who don't share anything beyond that that would betray vulnerability or honesty or just, you know, this is what God is showing me. I really struggle with judging people who are inauthentic or just less vulnerable than I am. And I really need to work on that. I'm going to be honest. So if you're listening to this podcast, hi, I have a prayer request. Please pray that I stop judging people who are less vulnerable than I am because I am wired very differently from most of the other humans on this planet where I will open up and tell you my life story if you're a complete stranger. And that is not how people work. That is not how 99.9 might bloop, bloop, bloop. That is not how 99.9% of the human race is. And there are many people who don't trust anyone for good reason because they've been hurt so badly. And so that's my struggle and I'm working on it. And I really hope that as I get better with not judging people for that, that I will be more healthy myself. So, yeah, I, I, I want to I be more healthy. I, I don't want to be envious of, of the Instagram lives that I can't handle following. So, yeah. So Jesus, from the Golden Rule, he moves on to say that 
salvation is a difficult process and it's it's a very narrow gate he says what does he mean by this it means the default is to roll downhill the default is to to take the easy way that leads to destruction and to just give in to temptation and to ignore the call of the Holy Spirit. But it's difficult to choose the way that leads to life. And unfortunately, there's few people who find it. And he follows this up by saying, watch out for people who are out there to deceive you. They are doing good things because good things, quote-unquote, by the world standards because they want something from you in return. They're scam artists. They're con artists and scammers. And, and spammers, if you think about it. But at the end of the day, and the epistles talk about this, if you're an elder, there's a high standard for being an elder or a deacon. You need to be a godly man. And if if you're not loving on your wife, and if you're not investing in your children, you have no business trying to do that function in the body of Christ. You need to set your own, and this goes back to the beginning of this chapter, set your own house in order before you go helping other people. So we can recognize people by their fruit. And this passage um, of chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, therefore by their fruits you will know them, is a very powerful contrast to verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with what, me- with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So he says, yes, we are free to evaluate the fruit of a person's life, we do not stand in judgment over them saying you're a good person because of this or you're a bad person because of that. And Lord knows I am still, I will always be working on this. Lord Jesus, please free me from this body of death. Amen. Jesus continues on to verse 21 and he talks about these people who do good works simply for the show. And he says, they've done all this good stuff and they call him Lord with their lips. But he says, I don't actually know you. We don't have a relationship. Like, that is awkward. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Like, if you do good stuff for the wrong reason, you are practicing lawlessness. What the heck? If that is not convicting, I, I don't know what is. John 14 verse 20 is fresh in my mind. I recently heard John Piper mention in a sermon and it was so encouraging to me because Jesus says, if someone loves us, if someone loves me, he will keep my commandments. And my father and I will dwell in that person and make our home there. And there is 
there is this obvious dependency on, yes, we love because he first loved us, but we love him back. And that is part of the reciprocal cycle of having a relationship with God. That's how relationships work. Someone loves someone else first, and then they love that person back, and then you continue that positive upward cycle. If it's a healthy relationship, if it's an unhealthy relationship, you have people who do good things out of selfishness. And you can't hide that. I was just reading my friend, my friend had a Twitter rant about a toxic friendship she had in middle school or high school where this girlfriend of hers, just a a school fellow, could never compliment her. She could never she could never stand it when someone else complimented her. And so my friend who was sharing the rant thought she was completely ugly. And there was more to it than that and it was pretty painful and she didn't even go into all the details but it was an obviously toxic friendship that person was was good to her out of selfishness that is cruel that is absolutely cruel to be a good person out of selfishness the bible says that the lord loves a cheerful giver not a selfish giver that that's a contradiction of terms But we try to selfishly give, and it doesn't work. And he follows up and says, he's going back to home building. That's so beautiful. What a perfect tie-in. Whoever hears these these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. When we have our life embedded in the truth of God's word, storms reveal our strength. Strength is not made in the storms. It is only revealed there. I might need to write that down. I'm sure someone else has said it before. I need to look that up too. It's so important to look up the things that people say. Words are, words take a lot of effort, you know? It, it's really hard to um, boil something down to its most elemental form and, and do it in a way that is accurate and choose every single word just right. Yeah. I'm, I'm posting more saying images on my Facebook and it's, it's really rewarding, but it's also... Um, It's just because the saying is short doesn't mean that I don't really proofread it doctrinally and just philosophically.
So, um, and a lot of the, in relation to this section of scripture, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The people of the world who don't have Christ, who are the most emotionally healthy, they're living by biblical principles. And they're reaping the fruit of that. That's how biblical principles work. Unfortunately, you can have all the biblical principles in the world, but if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you will be a kind of good person who is still a sinner and did not accept Christ's forgiveness for your sins, and you will still end up in hell. So do not ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and do not think for a second that we can be any good in our own strength. Because at the end of the day, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Filthy, filthy, Philippians, whatever chapter it is, rags. So... I fell into a pattern of thinking about and this struggle with jealousy and judgment partially because of how I was raised. However, I am responsible for what I do with that pattern. Do I let God change it or not? Because if I hold on to that pattern, I am responsible for maintaining it. Because It says in verse 26, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them is like a foolish man. And then when trouble comes, it just tears you to pieces. That's, that's not what I want for my life. If you know the right thing to do, but you're willfully ignoring it, you are signing yourself up for disaster. Emotional, relational, career, just everything. Disaster. If you're not good at relationships, it affects every area of your life. Your love life, your family life, your friendships, your work relationships. It all depends on friendship. All of it. I... The, the basis of, you want to be successful in the music industry? You want to be successful in any industry? Have integrity. Yes, there are scumbags in every single industry because there are selfish people and dog-eat-dog in every single industry. But you know what? People of integrity will eventually find people of integrity and continue, people of integrity want to work with people of integrity. So if you want to be the kind of freelancer who gets recommended to individuals who pay on time and are good clients, you need to be a freelancer of integrity. It's all connected. It is all connected. 
And if you're not good at confronting people and standing up for yourself, you need to take baby steps to practice doing that and learning how. Even if you just, you know, start by writing letters explaining things that made you uncomfortable and then sitting on it for a week and then maybe rewriting it and then sending it to the person. Even if you just start there, you you need to start somewhere because if you can't confront people, you're going to be a doormat. Or... <laughs> Or a locked door. People either walk over you or or you won't have any relation. You'll either be taken advantage of or you won't have any friends. There's, there's really, I mean, there is a middle ground that's kind of blurry, but there really isn't. So... And uh, I feel like I'm kind of doubling up on a previous podcast, last week's podcast. But, yeah. So, judgment and jealousy. I feel like they go together. I really do. Um, There are a lot of Psalms. um, Specifically, what comes to mind is Psalm 37. Um, which says, you know, do not be envious of the wicked. Do not be envious of the wicked. For they are like grass, and they will soon fade away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me let me pull up this chapter here. Okay, Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword, and have bent their bow, to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. 
The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish. And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice, and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, he is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them, he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it is your turn. Go live it.